0: Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. are you ready? On 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. And the
1: helmet thing is a personal matter to him. You know, he has a strong feeling about. Uh, what he's worn on his head, and we're supporting him. We understand the league's position as well, so we're in a tough spot.
2: And we hope Antonio is back here soon because uh, he, he's
3: exciting to be around. I'm excited. I got some plays for him. I hope we can start calling him.
1: That's Raiders coach John Gruden talking about Antonio Brown. Wears a style of helmet that you can no longer wear in the NFL, and PK, wide receivers can really can be quite the divas. Here's another example.
2: Yeah, I really don't care about this if it's not on the field. I'm an NFL football fan. I'm not a helmet fan. I'm not a labor fan. I'm not a Sox fan. So I'm not your guy to discuss this. Tom
1: Brady told WEEI in Boston, don't read into the selling of his Massachusetts home. You shouldn't read anything into it. I think it takes a long time to sell a house. My house is a little bit of an expensive one, so it doesn't fly off the shelf in a couple of weeks. Everyone wondering if this is a hint that he's getting ready to retire, that this is it. Now, I only sold
2: one house in my lifetime. I'm not a major real estate uh, holder. And it was a fly off the shelf. How quick did you sell it? Oh, geez, like a week. And we didn't have a place to stay. We were panicked. But fortunately, the guy was buying it as an investment. So we rented it back until we could find ourselves another house, the house that we are currently in. It all worked out. It did, yeah. And here we are 22 years later in this house with our neighbors who've been there the whole time celebrating today Todd Templeton's 50th birthday. So happy birthday, 50, Number 50 to Todd. DJ and PK.
1: Hashtag college football. Alabama coach Nick Saban says he's in favor of Power 5 programs playing at least... Ten games a season against power foes and or Notre Dame. He pointed out that when he was in the NFL, they played all 16 games against NFL teams. I yeah. read that. I well, didn't he got s- sucked. He, I, he
2: sucked, though. He got fired, right?
1: No, uh, I like, quit. But he, he was, yeah, one step ahead of the posse, chasing him out of town. Uh, I don't know when he said that. If he's like, trying to be funny. I thought that was mildly humorous. At least for Nick, anyway. Uh, he says, "Let's play at least 10 Power Five games. Would be better for the players, better for the fans. I think you wouldn't have to worry that if you lost a game, you wouldn't have as much of a chance to still be in the playoff." They talk about strength of the schedule now, but how do you really evaluate that? Well, they're not really evaluating that. They're picking the team with zero, the teams with zero and one loss. They're not. They don't evaluate strength of schedule. Sometimes they need it for a tiebreaker between teams with one loss. If you huh. have two, you're out. If you have zero, you're in. If you have one,
2: well, we'll count them up and see if we can squeeze them all in. Well, they're not exclusively evaluating strength of schedule, but it's included in the process, I thought.
1: Florida Gators defensive back John Huggins has been dismissed from the football program after having missed fall camp due to what Dan Mullen called a family issue. In a police report released last week, a 19-year-old Florida student accused Huggins of choking her during a tutoring session after Huggins became upset because the tutor took his phone in hopes of ensuring he would stay for the entire season, the report said. Or the entire session, the report said. The woman previously had been uncomfortable because Huggins pulled her hair in another session. Florida going to be back in the headlines again for all kinds of off-the-field stuff that we don't really want to talk about, but you got to talk about it. It some players, and you're supposed to be behaving better than this if all of this actually went down. I don't know. Shades of Urban, urban Meyer's time at Florida. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag college basketball. Obviously, there was a decision made, and there was some confusion with this new process, and uh, I made decisions that uh, have, have caused an outcome that, that none of us like, and
3: I just want everyone to know that my, my intent was never to do something wrong. You know, I was trying to do the right things. I was trying to do things the right way. I was going through this new process in the way I thought you were supposed to go through it. And when I met with the coaching staff and we found out that there were missteps, we went back and tried to correct everything.
1: There's Yoli Childs trying to explain how he got suspended for nine games by the NCAA, which PK seems seems like a huge penalty.
2: Well, it dooms their chances to get the NCAA tournament. Assuming Gonzaga wins the conference tournament, which they did not last year, but most of the time they do, BYU is in a position of having to acquire an at-large berth. And they haven't been able to do that now for a number of years. And with him missing nine games, that's essentially, not entirely, because I haven't seen the schedule yet, but that's the bulk, the overwhelming majority of the non-conference season he's their best player you think that would have a negative impact on their ability to win games that's one thing the second thing is it just impacts the kid greatly I mean nine games is just way 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 too many it makes no sense to me it was a coaching change things were going on he did stuff he repaid everything and this is what we come up with I mean it just doesn't pay to tell the truth go ahead and lie and just then they then they go away. I, I've been told Sean Miller will never get caught because they don't have direct evidence, and he's saying no. And as long as he continues to say no, he's going to get these one-and-done recruits, and they'll go out, and they won't win the title this year, and everybody will get what they want, and Sean will make more money, and those players will go on to the NBA. So it's not really that big of a deal as far as the team, but the punishment is not there, and, and some assistant, he's gone. And, and there's other the North Carolina thing, we've heard the others. And here this kid coming clean nine games, just seems way, way outrageous to me.
1: It just seems common sense that there wasn't much of an advantage to be gained here. He wasn't looking for perks and freebies and all that. It just seems like they're taking a
2: hammer to an anthill. Unless it was the same coaching staff, which it was not. It was a complete and total overhaul. No one has been retained from that staff. It was completely separation and a new staff coming in. And things changed from the time he made the decision to the time he made his other decision and decided to return. I don't like it. We'll have Tim McComb on here to bash the NCA. I think it's always easy to bash the NBA, NCAA because you're not bashing anybody local. You're not bashing anybody by name, so you come off as a tough guy. I hear a lot of radio folks just bashing the NCA because it's an easy target. I get it, because there's no repercussions. You can bash them. You will know, Wilbon, he bashes things that they're not individual. You know, most of the time, he agrees with everybody. Uh, but Nonetheless, <laughs> this still seems like a huge yeah. overreach, and the NCA needs to be bashed. I agree. I, I just don't get it. Now, if you want to give, give him a couple games and have him run around the Marriott Center three times and write on the board, I'll never do this again. But
1: you won't because he's a senior, so next time he'll be out, get an agent looking for a job, NBA or wherever.
0: All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 2 2. Swinging a high fly ball. Deep right
2: field. This is going to go. Rio Ruiz hits a walk-off home run out of the flag court, and the Orioles win 8-7. to
1: Notable for multiple reasons, PK1, the Orioles are just having an awful year. They have the worst record in all of, uh, well, except for Detroit. Detroit's worst. Second worst record in all of Major League Baseball. And they beat the Astros, who are battling the Yankees, for the best record in the American League, and possibly the Dodgers for the best record in all of baseball. And they get this walk-off, and it was the biggest upset on the Las Vegas odds book in Major League Baseball in 15 years. And in dramatic style. Bottom feeder beating Big Dog.
2: It's baseball. The best teams in the league lose 60 games.
1: The Dodgers, who've only lost 41, pick up another win. They beat the Diamondbacks 9-3. Justin Turner, homers twice. So they keep it rolling. The Yankees keep it rolling. On a day where there were three games that ended 1-0, the Yankees, who've been bashing their way to a bunch of wins this year, actually went a low-scoring pitchers, though. They beat Toronto one zip?
2: Yeah, a couple weeks ago, Tanaka just got hammered in Boston. Now he's pitching a shutout. Is baseball. Looking for a good race?
1: Look to the Central Divisions, especially the American League Central, where Cleveland and Indian are... Uh, Cleveland... The Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins are tied after Cleveland
2: won 7-3. I'm not looking for a good race. I don't see race. That's just one of the characteristics about me. I just don't see race. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag RSL.
1: RSL got a good road win at Sporting Kansas City Saturday. Corey Baird scored twice, and then Sunday night they fired Mike Pecky at the end of his three-week suspension. Freddy Juarez, who's been the acting head coach during the suspension, is going to coach the team for the rest of the season. Pecky is out. Surprised by this, PK?
2: I don't follow it like you do. Okay. I'd throw that right back at you. And what do you think of it? You're the expert, not me. Well, I think it goes back to a couple things. One, you
1: didn't like the anger management stuff, which was part of his penalty, that that was weak and that that wasn't going to work. And I think that normally in this situation, you would think he would be fired instead of suspended. But I think they really liked him. They didn't want to fire him. And there were people who wanted him fired. But I think the owner, Deloitte Hansen, didn't. I think there was a lot of pressure from the league office and from around the league, from RSL fans, and probably from RSL sponsors too. And so there's this whole turmoil. But at the end of the day, Deloitte liked him. So I think tried to throw the kitchen sink at him. But I think bringing him back and the press availability of what is that going to look like and sound like and is it going to reignite him, he finally
2: decided, yeah, we do have to make a change here. Okay. So the thing that I didn't get... Is after further deliberations and a series of constructive discussions internally and with various members of our community, you're letting the community decide what to do. They have a say.
1: Apparently, yes. I think I read that as the feedback they've been getting from fans. If you listen to the fans, you'll
2: be sitting with them. Isn't that the line?
1: (laughs) That is the line. That
2: line is not a new line. Right? It's not something you can line. It's the line. Right. So I was was baffled by that. Listening to members of the community. If you think it's the right thing to do, do it. You think it's the right thing to do to retain him, retain him. I haven't
1: spoken to Loy about this. I think he thinks it is the right thing to let him do, but I think he just didn't want to do it because he likes Mike. But I think the thought of you give, like another, you give him another chance. <laughs> you give him another chance. Well, this is the third July in a row he's been suspended. Is there gonna be a fourth one? Is it well, that's really? Not next year. Right. Well, they want to go through it
2: next year. Yeah, but August is here. We're in August now. We can kick butt in August. Well, there's some truth. I mean, they got it. a ball game yeah, at probably, the Into coming up, right? That probably carried some weight for a while. I never understood why we call it the riot and we leave out INTO. I'm gonna call it the Into. That's you, going the other way. We got a game at the Into. Wednesday night, If you been through a riot, you don't take that lightly. You people around here have never been through a riot. So, it sucks for the guy for it to get his temper under control, but at the same time, did he do anything different here that he hasn't done elsewhere?
1: Well, the Spanish word he used, they've been trying to stop the use of that in stadiums for a while. Mm-hmm. And now it's escalating to the point where, you know, people get kicked out, people can be banned. And so, how can you be banning fans if this guy used it right here
2: and he just gets a suspension? Yeah, well, see, once we get into words. Some people can use some words. Other people can use other words. I mean, Kobe Bryant said it. Where was this outrage? What suspension, what termination did he get when he used a homophobic slur? So it depends on who says it. Also, I think, I not it just depends. is if it's said. And
1: I don't know the answer to this, but I could take an educated guess. I think the fact, although maybe he would have been just maybe he would have just been let go for what happened on the field. But it continued on in the tunnel afterwards, and he apparently wrote it down. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And I it's got it. like,
1: okay, we get that in the heat of the moment you get fired up, but and that's bad enough, and it might have been enough to to let him go. Sure, but I understand the fact that. that it continued after what should have been a cooling off period, and there was no cooling off, that's another thing that goes into the decision.
2: I get all that. Yeah, yeah. I. I don't necessarily it's have any problem still what you with say, that.
1: but I think it's also what you say and when you say it and how you say it. And he said it angrily, and he said it repeatedly, and then there was more in the tunnel afterwards. And it's the third year in a row there's been something with officials and the league office and the suspension. And it just, uh, which of the yeah. straw broke the camel's back? I can't tell you, but he's out and now Freddie Juarez is in. At least for now, and and you talk about it's it's bad for him, it's bad for his family. Sure. And then you know how is it going to be for the assistants? You know, how well is it going to go with Freddie? I mean, we've seen interim coaches get the job when it wasn't expected or talked about. The team responds, and maybe it will. But you know, maybe this is going to impact a lot of assistants and staff down the road too.
2: Yeah, that, that, I mean that's the nature of the it game. It is the nature though. of the so, game. I mean, if you get into professional and sports, it's,
1: it's funny. Um, one of the guys who could be impacted by that. Was talking about that very thing about it was it might have even been uh, the week before the Tigris game. Little did he know he was foreshadowing his own life. Yeah, I mean, things that happen in this, in
2: pro sports and even college now, which is being professionalized, there's so much money. Right, it's you understand if you're looking for stability and you get into coaching, <laughs> that's a you problem. Yeah, it sucks to have to move and whatnot. I get all that. You got a family, but. You know. That's the business they chose. Godfather. Well, they did choose it. You're probably going to have to move around. If you don't, count your blessings.
1: RSL back at it
2: Wednesday night.
1: Seattle's here, and RSL with a chance to pass the Sounders. There's now six teams separated by
2: three points. They're really all bunched up. Man, this is is a pennant stretch right now.
1: DJ and PK. Golf. Patrick Reed is back, baby. What a charge on Sunday. Ends a 16-month stretch without a win. Gets it done on the back nine. The Northern Trust, first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. 125 guys getting cut down to 70. Tony Finau finished tied for 30 at the 600 so he advanced to the BMW Championships for this
2: coming weekend. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, he made a bunch of clutch putts. John Rahm collapsed, basically. And then anytime you have the New York skyline right behind you, it makes for a good visual. All the big names are there,
1: but it doesn't have the tradition of the majors. How'd you stop? I mean, it's the first year of the new schedule. They've been doing the playoffs for a while, but they've been overshadowed by football. Now they're kind of out there on their
2: own. So, we we'll have to see if we get some drama and build some tradition I, with this. I don't know that it's a. Golf is always going to be a niche. So, I don't know what's ever going to. Just the thing about golf is that they're not a bunch of, you know, what's in your face like soccer is and telling you that it's the greatest thing ever and you don't understand it. Golf is golf. If you like it, great. If you don't, so I don't know how much juice it's going to be. But if you're into golf, you watched it and you saw Reed make a bunch of clutch putts and you saw the Jersey City, where my grandmother lived, this is right across the street across the water from New York, and it looked cool. I think that those people who are into it, they liked it. Those who aren't, you're not going to get a buzz from it.
1: What is Trending? It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, as PK said, we're going to talk a little basketball. Tim LaCombe, former Cougar assistant coach, is going to join us coming up in about 10 minutes. And the USC football team. Got some early season games with the Utes and Cougars. We're going to talk with Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com. He's coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers coach Daryl Drake died suddenly at the age of 62 yesterday, the team announced. Cause of death not disclosed by the team, but messages from Steelers players and staffers as well as others around the NFL poured in on social media to praise Drake. The Arizona Cardinals cut defensive lineman Darius fell on Saturday less than 24 hours after he had been arrested and charged with aggravated assault for an incident that took place at a strip club in Arizona on May 17th. NCAA suspended BYU senior forward Yoli Childs for nine games the upcoming season after ruling Childs did not submit appropriate paperwork and received impermissible expenses while he worked out with an agent while testing his NBA draft prospects. The Bees lost 5-2 to to the Iowa Cubs. Game three in the series is tonight at 6 o'clock. Listen to the game here on The Zone Sports Network top of the wire is brought to you by syringa networks verizon customers if you were recently notified that some of your telecommunication services will no longer be supported contact syringa networks syringa is utah's fastest growing premier telecommunications provider they have a full range of services call them today at 385-420-7881 that's 385-420-7881 that's syringa networks
0: this 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 is hans olson and scotty g what you want. Somebody has just spent $67,505 for a pair of courtside seats. I can't even think of an event I'd spend 8000 yeah. for. Alright, $8,000. Front row at a concert. Neil spends the night at your house and will sing a song anytime you ask him. Like That's at 2 a.m. you could wake him up. Yep. He's sleeping in Rock's room. I'd spend twenty-four dollars I guarantee you I'd wake him up every 20 minutes. I'd be like, hey, Neil, let's roll. It's not sleep time, Neil. It's make song sleep. time. I would slap him across the face I'd be like 24 grand says that you're mine now sing I am I say to no one catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 975 1280 the zone and the zone sports network
1: DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. And Master Electrical will light up your day. Give us a call at 801-543-2222, and we'll be right on our way. That's 801-543-2222. Tim McComb, former BYU basketball assistant coach, is going to join us in a minute. We will uh, talk with him. We've also got the question of the day up on our Facebook page. You can check it out. Go to uh, Facebook, DJ and PK. A lot of you have been uh, commenting overnight. You can check there. They usually go up the, uh, the night before. Major developments at BYU and Utah scrimmages Saturday. Kyle Whittingham says Jalen Dixon is as legitimate a deep threat as there is in the country. And Kalani Satake says Tyson Williams is an every down back. How big are these for both teams? I think they're huge. Big positive answers. Yeah. There is the
2: guy, the difference maker. In the and, case of the youths, somebody they've been waiting on for about a decade. Oh, desperately, yeah, no question. You've been harping on it, rightly so, for that entire time. And I think that uh, Andy Ludwig too said that he views Dixon as an every down guy, not just a you know a home run deep guy to stretch it and all that stuff. And you know whether it's complete or not. Uh, you know, the, obviously the bomb is the lowest percentage pass opportunity that you have, but it's also the biggest in terms of uh, risk and complete it but if he finds himself able to be able a contributor uh, you know I'm not he's in size like a Steve Smith I mean obviously he's not going to have the impact of a Hall of Fame career that Steve had but if he can be the step up they need somebody and if it's Dixon and the Cougars need a big time back and if it's Williams this is great news for both programs we will get
1: to that coming up this morning. That was the news coming out of the scrimmage that were uh, closed to the media. We couldn't see them, but that is what the coaches said afterwards about their guys. So we'll get to that uh, coming up later. Right now, Tim Lacombe, former BYU basketball assistant coach, joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Get one hundred dollars off the redesigned Apple Watch Four with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Tim, good morning. Good morning,
3: my good brother.
1: So Yoli Childs is out nine games. When you heard this was going on, uh, how long? How? What kind of penalty did you think he was going to get before you heard the nine games? And then, uh, what kind of emotions did that leave you with?
3: It was crazy. I I, I had no idea uh, that it was even going on. Um, I've kind of moved on to new things, um, but certainly keep an eye on things as they come out. So I wasn't aware that there was even any impact. In- kind of investigation or or self-imposed situation going on but um when i saw the the news come out um and that it was nine games uh you know it was just another <laughs> reminder that the uh the NCWA is completely 100% out of whack um with its decision making and enforcement and uh you know it's really it was just one more thing it was just another frustrating thing that came up uh that you can just add to the number of frustrating things through years
2: can you give us a little behind the scenes in, in layman's terms and do it in a synopsis as far as what the issue was and then why the ncaa would even be concerned about it
3: yeah i'm mean, guess my understanding and um again i don't have a ton of of information per se but my understanding is that it uh you know there's a period of time this year that the rule changed so that players could actually sign with an agent um prior to uh the draft and prior to the combine and i think during that period of time um there's things that you know come up in terms of uh expenses that are incurred to to go to workouts and how those expenses are taken care of um and what the you know i think yoli was 100 percent in it to going back to the going to the nba or going professional and so um i think he probably the, the one thing that you know everybody needs to know is during this period of time he was trying to make this decision, there was, you know, we were gone as a staff and they hadn't hired anybody for a bit. So, you know, Yoli ended up doing a lot of this stuff, um, you know, kind of on his own. But I guess uh, the end of it is there were certain paperwork, there's paperwork filed or not filed, and there was expenses paid uh, and reimbursed, might I add, uh, prior to the self-imposed Uh, situation that that went on that the ncw then looked at and said you know well he's outside of the rules in this situation and so you know there's a punishment attached and i think that in talking to a couple of people there they were looking at it being maybe a game two games something like that right but then they came back with nine
2: yeah
3: (laughs) which is i mean nine games is, that's tough, man. That cuts into, especially with BYU, because you're trying to schedule the best preseason you can. Um, You know, you put yourself once every four years, you have the ability to go to Maui, which is the premier tournament in the country. And, you know, as it looks right now, they're going to roll over there without without Yo. Right. So, I mean, it's just, some of that stuff is just really hard to swallow, um, given the current nature of, college athletics and stuff that we do know, you know, that has not been addressed.
1: Okay, so now we come to the fork in the road, and I want to pursue both these lines of uh, questioning, but first, before we leave BYU, uh, so I feel
3: like I'm on like a Panel or like being interrogated straight.
1: a little bit, yeah, a little bit. Well, you kind of know how the process works, and so I'm curious. I get the the part about the coaching chat staff changing, and so you know, I think we've all been in jobs where you know personnel changes and stuff falls through the cracks. There just aren't people to deal with it. So I get that, but there are people whose job on every campus it is is to deal with the NCAA rules, and I'm wondering why the compliance folks weren't stepping in in that situation? Or is this such an outlier, a guy turning pro or maybe coming back, that it's not something they're used to dealing with, and it's why it slipped through that crack, too?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, again, I, I wish I knew more about what happened the situation, and I really don't, but, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, there is somebody completely devoted to that. But, you know, when you say completely devoted to that, there's a, a staff of three for every single three or four for every single college athlete on that campus. And, you know, if you think, well, that doesn't seem too bad. I mean, if you go through and read the rule book and in some of these kids, you know, some of the things that they kind of stumble into actually, only even there's a lot going on with every single one of those athletes. So yes. I mean, that's, that's a great point DJ. that there's, there are people on campus, but And that's kind of what a coaching staff, you have, you narrow that window down, and and you're in charge of compliance for 13 kids, right, Um, or 13 or 15 or 17 or whatever your roster is for basketball. So it just makes the timing of it made it really difficult. Um, You know, in in the big picture, yes, that's why the compliance office is there and everything else, but practically speaking, it's really hard when there isn't you know, I guess the gatekeeper there in the offices that you're working with, because that's something that we would always make sure that every single guy that went out, even if they had the intention of just leaving, to make sure their eligibility was um, was still okay, and it would be an option if they decided to come back
2: so you've been in this business for a long time, and you've seen some you've seen some seedy things, I think that was one of the things that caught people by surprises. Okay, give him a game or two, three tops, but not this nine games, which is basically the bulk of the preseason non-conference. It's just too many games, and guys like Jay Billis went out uh, on Twitter and said, what are you talking about, man? We got a kid who wants to come back to school, and this is what you come up with? And I had a situation where I, I, I won't name names, but a coach told me there was another coach who called him so, Coach B called Coach A, and Coach B told Coach A, "What's that guy doing at at uh, Coach C? He's paying so many so much money to get his guys. I can't compete with that." And the point being that there's so much corruption going around. That here's somebody's trying to do the right thing, reimburse with interest, and still gets nine games. Could you speak to? You don't have to name names if you don't want, but the instances of you saw, literally, you literally saw yourself or aware of yourself, all the corruption that was going on in college hoop, and this is what they come up with. Well, I think
3: two or I mean, and again, these are these are things that have been talked about, right? Like local or uh, recently. But they have college basketball coaches who are currently sitting in their jobs on a federal wiretap talking about paying players an exorbitant amount of money or, hey, we've offered them the best deal we can offer them, okay? Last I checked, you know, every, every recruit that we ever brought to BYU, here was the deal. Sign this piece of paper. We're going to pay for your school. Over the last few years, we're going to give you a stipend, okay? But with that, the bonus is you get to abstain from alcohol, tobacco, hot drinks, and any kind of fun in the sack. <laughs> All right? That's one little contingent thing that you get out of this or the package. backseat, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, and then also, hey, if you've got facial hair, we'd ask you to cut that and get your hair really short and look really good. So that's the best deal we can offer you, and that, and then we're going out and trying to compete with guys who are literally paying, you know, six figures to come and play. And, and everybody's like, "Oh, well, that's a conspiracy theory." No, see, these guys, they're 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 caught on wiretap, and it wasn't even the NCAA that did this. This is the federal government, but yet these two guys are still sitting in their jobs, ready to coach their team this year. And that's where it gets really kind of difficult for someone, you know, who spent the number of years I did trying to tiptoe around every single, you know, stupid rule. There's rules there that are are very important. But the funny thing is you say, well, nobody else keeps them. You know, so why? Um, I guess that that's where. I mean, I sent a tweet out this week right afterwards. Yeah. And I'm and I'm assuming because you guys, I mean, it got retweeted about. No, nothing's been more retweeted or liked of mine since I said I was leaving college coaching. I mean, I think there was such an excitement and uproar <laughs> that I was gone finally. <laughs> um, but yeah, it got my blood pumping to know. And sit in gyms, I mean, you don't have to be a Sterling Scholar to walk into a gym in the summertime and see the very, very, very best players who are projected to go 1 through 10 or, you know, in the lottery the next year and see the same crop of guys who are constantly getting them and not think, hmm, something's going on here. I mean, it's not, some of it's not just the unbelievably engaging personality of the head coach. Um, so that's, that's where the frustration lies. And having done it for as long as I did and seeing when things actually come down and guys get caught with their hand in the cookie jar, the, they, you know, they table the penalty, kind of like at UNC, long enough to where, hey, it'll just blow away. I mean, in in the North Carolina instance, I mean, everybody says, well, you can't go after schools for accreditation. It's outside the boundary of the NCAA. But what you can do is basically look and say they were playing with a bunch of academically ineligible players because the classes weren't up to snuff. Because I promise you that's what they'd do if it happened at Santa Clara (laughs) or University of Idaho because it's really easy. Because you're not really cutting into your coffers. But when it happens in North Carolina? Oh, wait a second. They make us way too much money. Um, So that's way too much, but that's what you guys asked me for. So there you have it.
1: The legendary Jerry Tarkanian with a great line, the late, great Tark. They were so mad at Kentucky, they put Western Kentucky on probation.
3: Well, you know, the scrape thing. DJs we talked we had this exact same conversation two months ago right the three of us on the radio and I think we both said if there's ever any meaningful change um but I think these are just little nicks in the armor that um I'm going to make kind of a bold statement I just don't know how much longer that people are going to put up with it and I mean people aren't overly ecstatic about the NCAA as of right now anyway. Um, We could be, you know, if they they don't change their tune, if they don't change the way they do business, I mean, what happens is they just get replaced. And, you know, who would ever thought we'd be in a situation with a Power 5 and an power 5 and we heard it was all coming, but um, the NCAA should really do a better job of mining the farm Uh, Or there's going to be a hole in the gate. There may be some livestock departing for greener pastures.
2: I'm wondering if you know about this. In this late time, could Child say the heck with it? I'm going to go to Europe. Is that a possibility? Or are those positions and those rosters already?
3: Um, I assume he could, uh, but I don't. I don't expect that. Um, I did talk with Yoli um, shortly after the decision. Talk to him in a bit and you know he's he's resolved he's made a commitment to be here and he wants to try to make this as special as possible but it certainly lets a little air out of the balloon because you know he's a he's a really really important part and piece to that team so I would expect yes I think he could do that but I I don't think that's even in the realm now of the I think he's already down that road.
1: So the, I was thinking of when I knew we were going to have you on, I was thinking of comparisons for this, you know, where there's this story out there that seems obvious and the people behind the scenes definitely have good stories, but nobody really wants to put their face on it. When does something happen with college basketball the way Jose Canseco happened with baseball, where one guy got so mad, felt blackballed, didn't care, wrote a book, and just said everything about steroids? names, accusations, dared people to sue him and call him a liar, and he just blew the roof off the whole thing. And there are so many people in college basketball. I mean, there's so many head coaches and ex-head coaches, assistant coaches and ex-assistant coaches, uh, people who've worked in the office but aren't allowed to coach. There's a bunch of titles for them and jobs for them. There are a lot of people who know what's going on. How come somebody hasn't written the book yet? I keep waiting for the Jose Canseco moment.
3: Yeah, I do too, and and I really do think it's got to have some teeth to it. I was talking to uh, Sean Farnham last year at the WCC tournament, and he's just fed up with it all too. I mean, we're talking about it all, and particularly the kind of the slant toward the the non-power five schools. Um, but I, I think that here, in my opinion, and, and Sean actually kind of hinted at this too, this federal investigation came out of nowhere. Like, I'll never forget last, it was like last September, I think, August, September. And we were walking into a workout and everything kind of hit the wire. And even at that point, I almost wonder if somebody, set, you know, finally spilled the beans and it got out. Because the one thing the NCAA does is really well is protect their own um, entity as best they can. And so I almost wonder if it's that's almost the first layer. It's like, screw it, we're going to go over the top of them and go straight, you know, to the NCAA. I obviously have no proof of that. But it was just kind of random how that all kind of came about, that now the FBI is actually jumping into this because there's so much noise about it. Um, and again, I want to re- repeat, not one of the schools mentioned has faced any kind of of disciplinary action. Coaches have been actually put in pr- federal prison, okay? Not head coaches, but assistant coaches. But the guys who, you know, were completely involved in this thing, you know, all but one, I guess, is they're all sitting in their offices this morning, getting ready to coach a season, not missing nine games or five games or 12 games, but be able to coach them all. I mean, it doesn't make any sense.
1: Tim Lacombe, former BYU assistant basketball coach. Tim, thanks for a few minutes this morning, and we will talk to you when basketball season gets rolling.
3: Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.
1: DJ and PK, when we come back, Utes, Cougars, the countdown to the rivalry game. Stay with us
0: three two one one the countdown is back on the zone sports network it's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60
1: Two touchdowns and a field goal away, PK. 100 days to the 100th rivalry game. It seemed a long way away when we started, but 17 days doesn't sound that far. Yeah,
2: well, two touchdowns and a field goal is 15 points, buddy. Do the
1: math. Yeah, the extra points are good often enough. The touchdowns just seven. Rounding, keep going. <laughs> You're always a literalist. <laughs> That's
2: the reality. Accuracy is six key, Six plus DJ. six plus three, in my mind, equals 15. Yak, what is the factoid of the day? Factoid of
1: the day of number 17. There have been 17 points scored by either team in this rivalry 10 times through series history. Do you guys know what the record in terms of having wins with 17 points is in series history across those 10 games? 2-8. and
0: 5-5. Five and five. It's oh. actually
1: evenly split. There you go. There you go. Will 17 be a winning number? Could it be a winning number in this game? It can. It could be think we could have a defensive struggle here despite the fact we just had them we'll get into this in our next segment we just had the scrimmages where both teams found key offensive skill players
2: well utah's defense has never received more hype than any defense in the number one defensive line in the country yeah so the the hype surrounding this defense is absolutely incredible i mean it's not just local guys it's everybody you get the local guys too, and especially if the local guys have validation from the national, then they can say, "Well, I'm not being a homer. Look at Phil Steele. Look at Joe yep. Blow. Blah 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 blah." So you can just pawn it off. You want to be a homer because everybody wants to be popular. But in this me. case,
1: in this case, the good news might actually
2: yeah. be the truth. Yeah, so you can just pawn it off and say, "Well, that's what they're doing." So I'm just falling in line. So how many teams are going to be able to score 15 points or 17 points more? Against this uh, 17 months at all, against this great, great defense, the number one defense in the country, the defensive line, anyway, and, and a high, high first round pick in Jalen Johnson and another pick in Julian Blackman. And, you know, see if Francis Bernard can develop himself into a linebacker that is NFL worthy. And Devin Lloyd, certainly, you look at the young man and he fits the bill physically you talk about the measurables well you look at Devin Lloyd he has got all of that you know can he be a big-time linebacker he'll obviously get his opportunity here in 15 plus two days for 17 Uh, so you got all those things in there and is BYU going to be able to score more than 17 is BYU's offense going to be able to I would think that most Ute fans would say no so if what the nightmare is that if the offense only scores 17 or 18 or 21, it's going to be, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it nope. is going to be. Are we really that good? Because you're going to need games in which you're going to have to score, obviously. Because even you, there's going to be one or two games. Utah's defense is just not going to be at its best. Yeah. For whatever reason, the ball's going to tips that uh, they might come down with, the receiver might come down with. You know, any number of things can happen. Somebody can miss an assignment and a five-yard gain turns into an 85-yard gain. We saw that with uh, Washington State. It was a pass, but they got out there and the uh, DBs got turned around a little bit and boom, it's an 85-yard touchdown and and they lose the game that way. So your offense is going to need to pick you up sometimes. I mean, this is a team game. The ultimate team game, I believe, is football. And so... If the offense doesn't come out and look real good, 17 days from tonight, I think a lot of youth fans are going to have some trepidation. BYU, you're you're looking for a competitive game. You know, you're looking for a way to find ways to get wins. And if you at least have a competitive game, if you don't get smoked, if you lose competitively, you know you're going to be mad and all that. But at least you'll have something positive to build upon. Whereas if you get hammered. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how are we going to win any games against this tough schedule in uh, September? And I think that's where we're at with both teams. Even for teams that have great
1: defenses – uh, 17 points is a dicey number to try and win with, and they can't hold teams under 17 points. Alabama and Washington had really good defenses last year, and you just look at some of the scores of their games, and they're playing 21-16, 28-24, 35-28 games. Just college football. 17 is a very small number these days. <laughs> You'd conference football. You name it. Now that's where the extra points, I wouldn't take them for granted.
2: You'd conference football, the extra point could be very dicey. I wouldn't take anything for granted if I'm a coach when it comes to football. It's one of the things Utah's sweating is they're kicking right now. But other than that, they've got a lot of positives going. So, no, I wouldn't think 17 could be a winning number on one game, any one game. But for Utah, it's not about any one game. It's about 12 of them. We're talking playoff. For these you know, Playoffs? No, just playoff. It's not the college football playoffs. It's the college football playoff. And that's what they're talking about. And I sort of think that that conversation is a little ridiculous. But why not talk about it in August because you're not going to be talking about it in November. So now's the great time to be talking about it. And... You may think, oh, I'm coming down on the Utes. Fine, I don't, I don't really care about popularity, never have. But I, I think more along the lines of the Pac-12 not getting the respect rather than just the Utes. It's not about Utah. It's about the Pac-12. It doesn't seem like the Pac-12 is being invited anytime soon, unless you go undefeated. And the requirement to go undefeated... I wouldn't put that on Alabama. I wouldn't put that on Clemson. I wouldn't put that on anybody to go undefeated. The odds of going undefeated are pretty slim. It's a very difficult thing to do. So it's not a knock against Utah. It's much more. 85 95% knock on the Pac-12. And whether you think it's an unfair or fair bias against this conference, if undefeated is required... That's going to be awfully difficult because we've seen a thousand times over in this conference the bottom teams on a given week can rise up. And so asking the Utes or anybody to go undefeated, if that's the requirement, I'm hoping in my, in my mind that it is not the requirement. And if a team goes, if the Utes go 12-1, and one, that they get in. Yeah, but it's the Pac-12, I know. and you
1: just don't know that. Right, if it's, exactly. If, it's, there's a one, if there's a one lost team in the Big Ten and in the Big 12 and yeah. the Pac-12, and someone's gonna get squeezed hosed. out,
2: yeah, who do you think's getting... You know, the only possible exception would be if Oregon is in there, and they're 12-0. and Because Utah and Oregon don't play each other, right? So the most likely, and I don't see it as a likely scenario, but the most likely, if you want two undefeated teams, so you're pretty much guaranteeing a team... Is, uh, or or say Oregon's one loss. And the Utes are undefeated. And Oregon wins. And so then you have two teams with one loss. And you think, well, wait a second, the only loss they had was to this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you play that game, whatever scenario you come up right. with. You'd like to think that they would get in. But mm. really, until I see it, I'm apprehensive to say it. And first things first. Win the Pac-12 South, then right. win the conference, and then see where So that's why I'm not talking whatsoever. Because I don't trust the people to put the Pac-12 in. It has nothing to do with Utah. It could be fill-in-the-blank school. I just don't trust the Pac-12 yeah. being able to get that respect that they need. And I think is overlooked to a degree... Because I think that this conference has teams at the middle, certainly, and maybe sometimes at the bottom, that can beat you. Whereas these other conferences don't.
1: All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And a reminder, join the big show Thursday from 3 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. That's the Warehouse. And join the big show today. Why, PK? Because I'm there. That's exactly it. You're doubling down today. Double duty, double shift. Yeah. Starting both ends of the double header. Just ice that arm down, or in your case, that jaw, and just keep going. I'll be here at
2: 3 o'clock. Looking forward to
1: it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.8 in the zone. Coming up next, the scrimmages were closed, but the coaches are telling us key skill players for both the Utes and Cougars, both with really good news. We'll tell you about that next. Stay with us.